0: It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get real. Prepare yourself. It's time for Crazy and the King.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King. Hey Torin.
0: So let me ask you, how you feel? Um, because I know that you've been on the move. You sound like you might still be experiencing a bit of suitcase jet type lag.
1: <laughs> well, I'm is, sorry is that, that like I sound thing? that way. It, I, it, is, no, it's it, definitely it, a thing. <laughs> is
0: that a thing like suitcase lag? Is that real?
1: I mean, I finally unpacked my suitcase, which my husband says I should do like you know, within a day, but I try to take about a week before I actually do it. So if that's a thing, I'm completely unpacked. Um, But I'm really happy to be home for the next three weeks, I think.
0: Okay. That's pretty good. Um, All right. So look, we are going to, uh, we're going to have a different conversation today. And normally as listeners, I know you all are Uh, accustomed to Julie and I kind of going back and forth on, on, on one or two stories. Uh, You know, sometimes we'll try to slide in a third one, but as I was moving through the week, I saw that our lawmakers had something to say about diversity in the big bank ranks, like the big, 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 big bank ranks. Now I ain't talking about big bank in your pocket ranks. I'm talking (laughs) literally the big banks. And so I saw a headline over on HR dive and I almost skipped past the headline because again, it was just another one of those headlines. Uh, let me just pull it up real quick. Bear with me. It says, uh, lawmakers call out big banks for lack of leadership diversity. And I smiled. I looked at the Subtext, Julie, it said there is no shortage of diverse people in businesses for banks to hire and promote. One congressman said only a shortage of leaders with the will to make it happen. That's the reason why I almost skipped past it, because I'm like, I'm reading another one of these punitive articles highlighting something that we all know and we know very well by this particular point. But something said, go ahead and click. And so, Julie, I clicked and I opened it, saw an image of Congresswoman Joyce Beatty the chair of the diversity and inclusion subcommittee and almost close it again, because you might remember last summer, she gave Mark Zuckerberg the business. You remember seeing that video?
1: Yeah. And I'm not sure why that would make you want to close it. It would well, make I mean, me want to watch it. No,
0: <laughs> <laughs> trouble fire starter. You That's troublemaker. That's all it is. You looking for trouble, looking for trouble. So no, I mean, but for me it was just like, all right, look, I got like a million things to do. I've already seen this story before and that's what I really thought it was. But I said, you know what, let me go ahead and click through. And surprisingly, it took me to a report, a report that the House Committee on Financial Services did on some of the largest banks. And when we talk about big banks, actually 44 of them, Julie.
1: Yeah, so I thought this. Um, we decided to just cover this as a topic for this week. My background is in financial services, so this is kind of my first, my first love, I guess. Okay. Um, Not my know only that. love. I yeah, know that. yeah. My so, first so, job me. out of college was being a stockbroker at uh, Charles Schwab. No joke.
0: Got it. Yeah. Got it. Interesting. And how long did you last in that tough industry?
1: Not very long. Uh, yeah. It was tough, and it was. Uh, just around the 9-11 time. And it was the big crash and all that stuff. It was just not the place for me, um, for sure. But it was the best education I could ever get, uh, just being there and learning from from the brilliant minds within our financial services industry. So, but torn what I, and I, you know, I'm curious to see kind of what stood out to you here. I, I would say what I found to be so interesting about the reporting was the lack of what was interesting about the reporting. Um, If if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Oh, this is gonna be good.
1: (laughs) Okay, you know, I, I mean, how many more fucking times can we be told as as companies to go to a job fair? I mean, like if this is the the best and brightest minds and this is still the guidance that we're getting is go to a job fair, uh, reach out to your local community based organizations like come the fuck on, man. Like, you know, oh, interesting, interesting data. But we've been doing this for so long. Like, let's. Start to see some really bright minds think a little bit outside of the box on how we actually get this done.
0: Yeah, yeah. So check this out. So I want to set it up for our listeners because you may not have seen the the story, or you may not have come across it uh, in your day to day activity over the last uh, several weeks. So uh, back in June of 2019, uh, the subcommittee requested uh, that 44 of America's largest bank holding companies, and savings and loan holding companies, those organizations with $50 billion or more in assets to provide the committee with their diversity and inclusion data and their policies. So they did this back in June of 2019. It was led by uh, the Honorable Maxine Waters, uh, chairwoman uh, of, on the Committee of Financial Services, and the Honorable Joyce Beatty, Uh, She's the subcommittee chair for diversity and inclusion. And the report actually just came out. uh, I want to say February 12th, but don't hold me to that date. I know it came out in February. And so, you know, for me, Julie, I treated the report the same way that I treat resumes and, and many people don't necessarily know this. It's not revealing, but for me, when a, a person sends me their resume, I always start at the bottom and I read to the top. And the reason I do that is because I'm looking for a story. I'm looking for that individual who's overcome challenge, who has, you know, just delivered some incredible results. I'm looking for that individual who um, has maneuvered through the uh the ladder of growth, if you will. I, I want to see the story. How have you unfolded? How have you blossomed? How have you been your own professional butterfly? So that that's best when I start at the bottom, not at the top. And so what I did with this report is I looked at the table of contents. Uh, yeah. I looked at the table of contents and said, I want to see exactly what they talked about. And then I went to the bottom and I looked at the appendix and I began to read the report from the bottom back towards the top. And I got to tell you, I was disappointed. Like I said to myself, how is it? The first question that I asked was, how much did it cost to do this report? That was the first question that I asked myself. Like I know the banks, you know, they had their own resources allocated to uh, collecting the data, compiling the data, presenting the data. But how much did our Congress or our uh, committee spend this committee on financial services? How much did they, spend on this report. So
1: So, hold on. Let Yeah. So, that's an excellent point because that's one thing that stood out to me as well. I think if if you look at the data and you jump in where the data is most extensive, at least from my take is around workforce data. And um in this case, all of these banks, all 44 of these banks are federal contractors. And they're covered under the executive orders um, that create affirmative action plans, and so every single one of these banks is providing to the federal government through the Department of Labor this race and ethnicity data, veterans data, and disability data,
0: and, and dollars in vet you know dollars that they're spending with supplier diversity programs. Um, Corporate board so, data. Yeah. So that's
1: not required by the Department of Labor, right? But well, that piece okay, where the sorry. data was most robust um, from what I, I reviewed on the report is the data that's being submitted to the the Department of Labor. And so when all of these other parts of the government are asking for this, this information, again, it is a lack of communication in our silos of government, but it's also a lack of understanding about where the banks are being held accountable already and where you saw things, the the bright lights or the the bright points of the data were around some of the race and diversity overarching data, right? What was missing was the step up data. So how do you are how are people moving through the ranks? And then how are people how, you know, kind of the real the real real on pay equity? like the pay equity data in here is pretty pretty glossy. And so when we're creating all of these other inefficiencies in our government, a lot of this information around diversity is already going to the OFCCP. And I think from what I saw, that's just that was where the the best data came out of. And I think that's really important to call out as we're thinking about how, we as D and I folks sometimes don't like the the all of the data reporting that has to happen in a company. Um, we can see that that data is impactful where it's more vague, right? Is like on the things that you just mentioned: board diversity, supplier data diversity, um, you know, diverse asset managers, all those kind of things. It was like really kind of just a gloss over.
0: Yeah, uh, I think somewhere inside of the report it said, uh, although 27 of the 44 banks reported that they conduct an internal review of gender pay equity, 15 publicly disclosed this information or provide transparency about their efforts to close the gap. And so they certainly acknowledge that there is a gap there. I'm curious, when you say step up data, what are you talking about in terms of step-up data and connecting that to people like you and myself and so many others that are doing this work what does that mean to you
1: so step up data is probably not the the best way to say it but career progression uh, we we're not seeing um, the diversity within the senior leadership and that's really where the Department of Labor is starting to concentrate some of more some more of their investigative tools it's like okay we we have a workforce population that, mostly matches, um, the, the, you know, the workforce as a whole from a race and, and gender perspective. And then we take a look at how are those individuals stepping up into their careers or being hired in at more senior levels. And that is a huge fallout. We just don't have that, um, that diversity at the upper levels in these banks.
0: Yeah. As a sidebar, I just want people to remember that, you know, again, that's why we always remind, uh, we remind you that the uh, the need for DNI uh, to be checked at every single value point is extremely important, that it's far bigger than just, uh, you know, the onboarding or the talent acquisition aspect, that it really does include learning and development. It includes training and how that takes place. It includes corporate social responsibility and how you show up in the community and supplier diversity, and we can go on and on and on and on. And so if you're listening, we're saying these things to you because it is important. And I agree with you, Julie. You know, when we look at these numbers, oftentimes it's an aggregate. It's the larger picture. It's not down to the grass level. It's not down to the department or the business unit like it should be. You know, you can get a concentration of, of uh, diverse talent in a particular part of the country and not have any anywhere else in the country and still be able to report out some extremely good numbers, all because you have this big concentration. And so I do believe that we need to start parsing our data um, in more ways. You know, we need to have more Andrew Godomsky's involved in these organizations and other people like him. Uh, You know, Andrew, right, AG? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, you got it. So so we both agree that uh, the report, less, was light. How about that? <laughs> uh, you know, yes. we agree yes. that the report was light. You know what they suggested, and for all of you that are listening, you you will be able to find the link in the show notes. But they suggested legislation. They suggested tracking supplier diversity spending uh, because some still don't track this spend for whatever reason. They suggested that banks increase board diversity. They also talked about uh, Dodd Frank, uh, which came out of the financial crisis. It brought about something titled Section 342. Uh, it established the Office of Minority and Women Inclusion, currently led by Director Pamela Gibbs, which is uh, an office that we probably should spend more time with. And the reason why I bring that up, Julie, is because if in fact, it came out of the financial crisis. That would be 11 years ago, give or take right. 11 or 12 years ago. If Dodd-Frank actually created and mandated that the banking industry submit this diversity data, I'm curious as to why they are not being held more accountable. That was so, the larger frustration for me. That So they, they
1: got to they, they got a pass. So the SEC, I, I caught this. I was reading through a couple other things and I caught this. So Dodd-Frank was enacted in 2010. So it's 10 years old. Um, and since then, the SEC has given them a pass that the banks don't have to follow the law that says they must report this diversity data back to the um, the diversity office that was created that they should be just encouraged to. And so literally, we wrote a law and then said, eh, not that part. And, and the banks have not done that because they have not been required to
0: you know that's so that 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 to me is so frustrating because again, if in fact we're going to change the results and the progress that we have. Uh, around diversity and inclusion or inclusion and representation in this instance, you know, it's a conversation that's far bigger than tech. So just think about all of the years where we focused heavily on Silicon Valley and we were given all of our ire to the folks that are building tech companies. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, you had uh, the movie industry, you have wall street, you have healthcare, You even have parts of the government. You have so many other industries that literally continue to operate, um, you know, with a laissez faire attitude towards representation. You have people that are being hired at the lowest levels of an organization. We know that Walmart is probably one of the biggest employers of black and brown people in the country. Walmart. And yes, there are definitely a number of black and brown people that have ascended to ranks of supervisor, managerial level. Uh, I don't know if that many have made it to the executive level. And when I say that many, that is most certainly subjective. Um, But we know that there's a largesse of black and brown people that are hourly working inside of Walmarts all across the country and so i guess my my frustration in this you you know knowing where we are now to what is this 2020 mm-hmm. that we 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 find a way to hold every industry accountable for making some type of progress so i'm cool with our having a uh finance committee subcommittee committee us house committee on financial services i'm cool with that but I'm trying to figure out where every industry falls inside of a body of government. If, in fact, government wants to play in this sandbox and they want mm-hmm. to try to hold people accountable, then don't just do it for financial services. Don't just focus on tech companies in the valley. Let's do it for everyone, like everyone.
1: Yeah, well, and I, I think, you, you know, you make a really good point when you bring up Walmart and and their hiring practices versus the banks and their hiring practice. There is, and, and I can say from experience, something that stood out to me in this report was some of the challenges that the banks talked about in hiring diverse talent. And one of them was a lack of available talent through STEM, engineering, data, um, information type of of roles, and you get a little further into the conversation, and it's really because banks have an elitism built into them, especially the big mega banks, and they're only recruiting and sourcing from the America, the the most elite, excuse me, American institutions. And they're not in a meaningful way going after talent at state schools, at uh, HBCUs that have very rigorous coursework, that are turning out great talent, but don't have that Ivy League tag on them. And then complaining that they aren't getting talent for those roles. And I think that is a huge issue um with sort of that elitism that exists within in Wall Street and within the banking industry. In fact, one big bank that shall go unnamed that I I used to work with told me or I met with someone from like a veterans committee and uh, a very intelligent, well-educated black woman, female veteran who was, you know, she was from West Point or something. She was a ring knocker. And so I was talking to her about, like, hey, what are you guys doing to, you know, get sort of the, the rank and file um, enlisted guys and in, into, you know, work at this bank. And they're like, oh, we don't, we don't. And, you know, look down her nose at other veterans because that is the culture that's been created that and it's almost like what we talked about last week with the the sort of queen bee it's like nope if you're not a part of this club you just don't fit here and i think until that actually changes within the big banks the mega banks we won't see that top level of of demographics change very much it will stay predominantly white and predominantly male
0: yeah. And, and again, when we think about, you know, what what the report is suggesting, you know, I'm looking at some of the tactics that they talk about, you know, providing diversity challenge uh, training, using enhanced interview tactics, uh, tactics like the Rooney rule, which the NFL can't seem to even use in an effective goddamn way. Um, you know, it's just absolutely crazy. Uh, interview guarantees for certain veterans. Um, it, 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 all, all I can say is that I, I want I want nothing more than to to be able to be in front of this committee. And not that I'm all knowing, but to be able to chat with them and talk to them about how do we advance this conversation and keep up with what industry is doing right now. The government is three steps behind what industry is already doing. And if this is the report that you're going to put out and you're going to continue to put these reports out, you are absolutely, you know, you're missing the mark. And your ability to hold organizations and industries accountable, like financial services and others, um, you're going to always, you know, your shot is going to come up short. Uh, I just think that this report signals that the, the shot is going to come up short. And so uh, full transparency. Um, there's two things that I want to say here. You know, one, I had, uh, to Ducket on, on my Sirius XM show, uh, last week. And, you know, they celebrated uh, a one-year initiative of something that they are doing at JP Morgan Chase. It's, uh, titled Advancing Black Pathways. And so they are, they have three tenants inside of JP Morgan Chase. Number one, they want to increase home ownership. Two, they want to make sure that they are providing uh, the space for uh, underrepresented talent to join the bank and grow within the bank. And then the third tenant is to make sure that they are providing, um, you know, um, minority owned businesses. I hate to use that term, but uh, those businesses with the capital and the resources necessary to get started and to grow. Three tenants, they celebrated their one-year anniversary here in Washington, D.C. It was an incredible event. I'm not suggesting in any way that J.P. Morgan Chase is perfect, but I like what they are doing. And I'm going to keep my eye on, on them uh, and continue to highlight what they are doing because they absolutely seem committed. That's the first piece of transparency. Second piece of transparency is I've reached out to... Uh, three individuals. Um, y- you know, uh, Maxine Waters, Joyce Beatty, and Ms. Pamela Gibbs from that Office of Minority and Women Inclusion. Uh, I have absolutely reached out to them to have a conversation. So I want to be on the record, transparently, that I want to have this conversation and find out what is it that we missed in this report. Like, what did you not put inside of the report that we really should know about, and More importantly, what's next now that you have the report, what are we trying to do next and and, and how are we going to hold these organizations accountable?
1: And and if you get to talk to uh, to Miss Maxine Waters, you can tell her that she is my personal hero and I love watching her on TV almost every day or every chance I get.
0: You got it. It's a beautiful thing. So, (sighs) yes, for all of you listening, we'll drop the uh, link in the show notes. Please take the time. Grab you something to Uh, sip on and you know just enjoy the report read the report and you know if nothing else you read it for a level of familiarity and information so uh let's rock some name drops
1: yeah so my name drop this week is to my boo Tristan Cook my son he Yeah, yeah As we, you are all listening to this pod, we'll probably be swimming at the state finals uh, this year with his team. So I am very, very proud of him. And this is his first year going to state. So congrats, Tristan, and to all the Columbus North Bullfrogs. How about you?
0: Absolutely. So my name drop this week is going to go out to Sarah Morgan. Uh, Sarah Morgan is in the midst of doing Black Blogs Matter. Ah, uh, you can find them on Twitter at hashtag Black Blogs Matter. You can find Sarah Morgan at the Buzz on HR. I think it's the Buzz on HR, or is it the Buzz HR? I can't I think get it's to the, my
1: the Buzz on HR. Yeah, and that's Sarah what I thought. Is absolutely fab. Yes. Yeah,
0: the Buzz on HR. Um, you can and 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 the reason I'm sharing that is because I want you to see some of the thoughts that she and the others that are blogging. Uh, are sharing around the experiences of Black and Brown people, of underrepresented people, of veterans, of LGBTQIA individuals. I want you to understand what people are experiencing that are Afro-Cuban and Afro-Latin, uh, and that you know, just saying Latin X is really not a. That's not the, the 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 best way to do it. I know most of you are sincere about it. I'm sincere about it. But that oh Lord, hold on. That's gonna
1: be like that's gonna be a whole episode. you, yeah, you just it, blew my mind. Okay, yeah, it, oh it may God. be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've been it may doing be. it wrong now. Yeah, you know, and and again, I don't know what the more proper term is, which is why I've gone back to saying Latina, Latina, or as you just heard me say, Afro-Cuban, Afro-Latin. It's because it's just such a very very broad. Categorization of people, and quite frankly, I feel like when I say Latinx now, I feel like I'm I'm leaving people out. I feel like I'm, you know, lumping mm-hmm. folks in uh, in a negative way. So check out Sarah Morgan, the Buzz on HR, or hashtag Black Blogs Matter. Awesome, awesome. Well,
1: I'm going to enjoy the next two to three weeks of being a swim mom and then I'm headed off to TA Tech and Unleash in London and uh, I know I'm always listening to you my friend on Sirius XM every Sunday
0: yeah no travel for me that I can share I will be on site with a couple of clients uh, some private engagements having fun doing D&I the way that we do D&I optimizing efforts uh, the way that we have found best to optimize efforts for now I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe. Like make sure you push it out there. I hear you and feel you subscribing and we appreciate that, but you you got to push it out there. So don't be afraid to drop crazyintheking.com on your social media feed. Don't be afraid to drop crazyintheking as a hashtag on Twitter or on Facebook and when people ask you what the hell is that, you tell them what the hell that is. Make sure you find your voice inside of the workplace, inside of your community. Make sure you are a better human. And of course, I want you to have a fantastic week. Catch me on Sirius XM channel 126 Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern. Don't know who the guest is, but what I can tell you is that we are going to have a riveting conversation. For now, Julie Soash and I are Ghost. See ya.